What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain All right, here we are with the Warrior Poet Podcast and my long-lost Italian brother, <laughs> Daniele Bellelli. Uh, a real pleasure, as we've talked about before, uh, as we've been discovering each other's work. It gets a little confusing sometimes. It does. Like, did we do? Did I take too much Ambien and drink too much red wine and do this in my sleep, or is this uh, is this a brother from another mother? Yeah, when I uh, listen yeah. to you, I'm puzzled by the fact that. Uh, I'm speaking without an Italian accent, and I'm like, wait, but, oh, because it's not me, that's why, that's what's going on, but. Yeah, so it's great to be here, and, uh, and great to connect with you, it'd be fun to see uh, what we can talk about and conspire together here. Let's roll. Yes, all right, sounds good. So one of the things that struck me, you know, we talk about some of the similarities in our philosophy, obviously, you know, I go by the moniker Warrior Poet, mm -hmm. which is an idea of embracing the paradoxes inherent in that concept mm -hmm. itself, you know, the swordsman and the poet. Um, don't have to take it literally. You can apply that to everything else. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed was um, some consistencies and similarities in our upbringing themselves. Mm. So, you know, for those of you who haven't read the book, take us through a little bit about how your parents raised you and how that's kind of different from a lot of what you see currently. Yeah, my parents were really young, and they, but they were super self-confident, had it together, at least, I don't know about financially, in every other way they had it together, but... Mm -hmm. um, they, their attitude was very, as far as their mm, way of raising kids, their approach was to give me a ton of freedom. Yeah. Um, they would give me a ton of freedom. At the same time, what they were trying to do is just let me come to good conclusions on my own. Not tell me like, hey, you do this because your father told you. Right. Listen to me kind of stuff. I would laugh at it. I would be like, <laughs> right. yeah, screw you, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, but um, they would do things where they would have me, he's like, what do you think about this? Do you think it's a good idea? Because this is what can happen. And then they would eventually leave me the option of doing what I wanted, but kind of guiding me along the process of making sure. informed decisions. Letting you find the risk yeah. and rewards, consequences. I remember that same thing, too. I mean, my father was very much in that libertarian philosophy, almost too much so. Right. You know, it was, and then my stepfather came from a different kind of school of thinking. 
And he would try to occasionally just get off with saying, no, just do this. Right. And I'd be like, why? Yeah. He'd be like, because I said so. No, why? Why are you saying so? Like, explain it to me. And he had to eventually learn that he had to kind of follow that because I just Mm -hmm. wouldn't accept. I just wouldn't accept the reasons why not. And I think a lot of parents, they don't understand that kids, even at a super young age, Mm -hmm. can start to grasp that and then internalize it and start to get the process of making good decisions. Kids are smart. They are. If you treat them as such, they are smart. And granted, there's the time when stuff has to be done now where you need sure. to make the big voice and emphasize, hey, attention now. We yeah. need to work. Trust me. But for I the know mo- better, exactly. Yeah. But for the most part, if you reason with kids and you treat them with respect, they'll respond. They listen. Like the other day, mm-hmm. like, you know, with little kids, is um, they start, they repeat anything they hear. So you, you start, you know, you drop something, you're like, ah, fuck. The next cycle, they're like, fuck this. I'm like, oh, God, no, please. But right, little repeaters. Like it was parents. fun. It's like, I couldn't be hypocritical and go to my daughter and be like, you can never say that. But you just did. He's like, well, that's different. He's like, you can't do that. So yeah. what I told her was, uh, look, um, certain words, I try to explain now, there's a context for everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> Basically, it's like, so. You don't use some of this stuff in front of your teachers because they may think it's rude and you offend them. You don't want to hurt their feelings and you don't want to do that around other kids where their parents may get bugged. You want to you wanna get it off your chest and uh, yell something when you're around me at home? I don't care. That's fine. And so she would be like all thrilled that she gets to do something that's not approved by everybody right, else. Right, right. So she's like, I'm getting away with something. But then because I let her, then she trusts me on, hey, you don't do it in this context because yeah. you hurt somebody's feet. Yeah, you set the rules that you do set get yeah. respected then. Because yeah. if you set nonsensical rules that the kid knows are bullshit, right. you know, and then you're trying to set real rules, how are they going to differentiate? Precisely. Uh, I remember with my mom, the um, first time I ever smoked weed was with my mom when I was 11. Right on. <laughs> And uh, it was funny because um, by the time, in Italy especially, everybody smokes cigarettes, uh-huh. right? And so by the time uh, my friends at 12, 13 and so on, they were starting smoking cigarettes. So I started a tiny bit and I remember my mom telling me, basically, are you fucking stupid? You know, what are you doing? Is, is one thing, if you want to try for experimentation, try have a little bit out of a joint once in a while, that's one story. Sure. If you get addicted to a substance that's proven to be really bad for you, that's a whole different story. Yep. I mean, do whatever the hell you want, but that's really dumb. Yeah. And knowing that she was not the mother who would tell me, as you put it, no to everything, mm-hmm. but she would say some things that all other parents would frown on and be up in arms, she would give me freedom, making me yep. feel all empowered about it. And then she tells me, this is a stupid idea. I'm going to listen when she tells me that. And in fact, I was like one of the very, very few people in, uh, among my friends who never smoked cigarettes, meaning like getting addicted to right. it. And works for me. Works for you. And it would work for everybody, too. I mean, imagine if our government was that yeah. crafty. Imagine if all the laws that the police and the government made were good for us. Right. You know, in that world... You would see the cops and be like, "Oh, great, the cops are here," you know, because yeah. all the laws were just, you right. know, and they were they weren't going to bust you for anything that was really uh, stupid, you know. Then you would have real respect for the uh-huh. law, you know, and it'd be easy, and you wouldn't. But now it's like, ah, oh, fucking cops around here. Yeah. What are they trying to do? Trying to, oh, what are they going to bust me for smoking some weed yep, or yep. whatever crazy stupid law that you have that they're that you break, you know, on a day to day basis. Of course, and you put it creates this antagonistic relationship, mm-hmm. and it's the same with parents you know but it's 
unfortunately, our culture is not designed that way. And as you aptly put in your book, religion, state, and extending all the way down to parenting, it's all kind of the same paradigm. Absolutely. Uh, just do what I say. Why? I don't know. Because you should. Because you should. Right. Because yeah. no, I have a bigger voice. Yeah, it's And crazy. a bigger stick. Now, there's something to be said, though, about is this is one of those nature or nurture kind of thing, because mm -hmm. it's like, like if somebody gives you freedom, you are going to use it in a certain way. If you give freedom to other people, they may fuck up with it. You know, use it really badly. Now, clearly, that doesn't mean that, well, in that case, then we'll give freedom only to you and not to anybody else because you end up in this game that's right. obviously screwed up. But at the same time, it's also true that not everybody's ready for the same degree of freedom that some people crave and that, need rules. Right. But is that because you're changing the system halfway through? Right. Because they've been taught one system, which is right. just do what I say. And then all of a sudden you're giving yep. them freedom and it's like, woohoo, I got why, freedom. What the fuck? Right. You know, I don't understand how to use it. So it's hard to know. I mean, I, I almost feel like if everybody was brought up with that being reinforced by right. religion, reinforced by state, reinforced by parent, it wouldn't be an issue. But the issue is... You know, when you change it, it's kind of, of the same with the with the drug laws, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Like right now, if everybody just said, you know, ecstasy is legal, you know, it could get a little wild sure. for a little while. You know, people are like, woohoo, right. you know, because we've been taught like this is bad, this is mm -hmm. bad, this is bad. Okay, now this is good. All right, I'm going to take 10 tonight <laughs> and then see <laughs> right. what happens. You yeah. know? So you have to get these kind of transitionary periods and pay attention to those. Yeah, because you're sure right. You that's, the, the that's the question, Mark, is are people who screw up horrendously when you give them space, is it because you have repressed them for so long that once you open the lid and let them free to explore, they go nuts and they don't know how to handle it? Mm -hmm. Or is it just something innate that some people are better at handling it than others? I like to think that it's not an innate thing. The innate aspects sound random and not particularly pleasant <laughs> as a concept, right. like... You are just born smart, and sorry, right. you are an idiot. That's, right. like, that's well. In this case, it's even worse. It's you're either born moral or born right. immoral. Right. You know, which is, I tend to think that people have, you know, certain proclivities, tendencies. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe things are more challenging for others. Like certainly, it's more challenging for some people to lose weight than right. other people. Sure. You know, it's not like that's an excuse to just be a gigantic, enormous, fat bastard right. because it's more challenging. It's just that's your challenge. Yeah. You know, it's harder for you to do that. I think for some other people, they may have a constitution that makes it more difficult. But yeah. I think if you worked with them the right way and kind of identified it, I think that could help. Have you ever read Aldous Huxley's The Island? Yeah, uh, forever ago. I was yeah, a long time a ago. teenager or something. So he kind of talks about that. There being, And he actually puts numbers to it, which they probably just made up. But, you know, some kind of 20% of the population that are like, he called them somnambulists, people mm -hmm. who just kind of repeat whatever is told and dogmatically. Only 20? Yeah, or some, maybe <laughs> even higher, but like hardcore, right. yeah. you know, that'll just take it. And yeah. um, and then there's probably some other people that are more challenging. And then I guess his solution was to train the teachers to be able to, and the parents. He believed in kind of a tribal right. raising of the children anyways. But the important people in the kid's life, from the parents, the teachers, to everybody, to kind of identify these people and work with them uniquely in right. ways to kind of, prevent that from coming because there is something to the nature part 
No, definitely there is, but as you say, you know, you can have uh, some people may have more innate potential than somebody else. But yeah. the bottom line, it depends how that potential is cultivated. Right. Because even the one who may have less from the start, uh, if you cultivate it right, you can still they can go up much much further than they would if you start just squashing whatever is in totally. them from day one. Well, you can compact it and make it crazy. Oh, exactly. You know, you think about someone like. The worst person that comes to mind, let's say Hitler, mm -hmm. you know, like at what point was he destined to be that guy? Right. You know, or was, you know, were there periods of intervention where, I mean, obviously you look back to the childhood, he was troubled from an early age. Right. You know, he was torturing animals, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know his biography that well, but there was obviously serious warning signs along the way. But right. if you were able to kind of empower him, give him more security that he needed and yeah. And even the childhood thing, is it, yeah. is it because from day one there was crap going on with him? So yeah, by the time you are seven years old, you are screwed up. But yeah. that's not because necessarily you are innately that way. Maybe it's just you had a really bad string early on. That's one of those you can never answer kind of questions. It's hard to know. It starts even before birth. Mm -hmm. You know, how the mother eats, what the mother does, what kind of mood they are in during pregnancy. Yeah. You know, everything affects a baby, sure. Every the delivery, the you know, there are so many things that by the time you flop out and you are in the world, you already have a long history behind you. Yeah. And so uh, the whole genetics versus uh, culture thing, you you can never know because there's just no way to tell. That's true. So you need as many safeguards and catch as many things as possible. I mean, I, I think you know one of the we have so many great advantages of the world we live in now, this kind of global world mm -hmm. where information is easily accessible, but what we're missing still is that kind of tribal sense, yep. you know, and I think that was, I mean, it seems like, and I want to get into this a little more, it seems like you had some experiences and familiarity with the Lakota people, mm -hmm. but in that tribal sense, you know, you don't hear about these tribes people that are doing these really crazy fucked up things that right. us in Western society do. You know, and, and what is right. it? Is it living on the land? Is it um, just that the tribe is there to kind of reinforce certain behaviors? Or I mean, you don't see the kind of right. you don't hear about the psychopaths that you hear about in industrial, you know, Western society where people can be more solipsistic. No, definitely, and I think part of it is I mean, we are designed as tribal beings. You know, we crave a social contact. As as human beings, we have lived in small tribes of hunters and gatherers for, what, 90 plus percent. Some people estimate up to 99% of the time we've been around. Mm -hmm. So obviously that's part of who we have been from day one. And it's only in relatively recent historical times that even agriculture showed up and you start having farming villages or you start having industrial societies. All of that is like a blink of an eye. Yep. So the fact is there's something in us that thrives, that does well in small communities of face-to-face -face people that you know all your life in small face-to-face -face community. There are some... Uh, now, there's the dark side of it, too, because you can, Gangs, on one end... Uh, townies, yeah. Absolutely. Or even, like, the small community you grow up in, there's the aspect that, in a good and in a bad way, community builds some pressure to conform. Sure. Meaning that if everyone around you knows you, knows your business, knows your family, knows mm -hmm. that, there is a pressure to conform that will limit your worst tendencies, the kind of stuff that, uh, as you put it, you know, the psycho aspects that if you could get away, you do this weird shit, that's kept in check through people being able to get back at you in no time. 
but also that happens both in good and bad ways. You know, the stuff that gets squashed is some of the unique characters exactly. that go against the grain. Yeah, that's not how we do things. You right. know, and it becomes uh, it limits. So it's a it's like anything else. You know, it's a double edged sword. It's an interesting double edged sword because it certainly seems to address some of the stuff that we lack. That's why in my ideal would be to combine the two. To have the, create your own tribe, create your own tribe, but <laughs> to have the you know the face-to-face community uh-huh. aspect that would badly lack today. Yeah, that would encourage it's, individuality. That exactly leaves you free to also connect with a global community, which thanks to internet you can do. So you're not just stuck with the 50 people in your village that uh, all you ever know is what they say and approve of. Yeah, you are exposed to a much wider world, but you're also connected with a face-to-face community. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. You know, I think, um, you know, I've been reading and learning from a lot of the Toltec teachers, mm-hmm. and they call it, you know, the mitote, the dream. You know, and that co-created dream can become really strong, and you can try and conform to it, and basically love yourself or not love yourself by the standards which which you fit into that dream. And that may not even be your dream. That right. could be your tribes, that could be the worlds or whatever. But you end up judging yourself based on those standards and it mm-hmm. can be extremely harsh and it can really torture people, lead to a lot of depression and guilt yeah. and you know, self-hate. So yeah, because it's one thing the if you take uh, 50 awesome human beings and you have them start their tribe. Yeah. Everybody has a blast. If you get uh, David Koresh to start his yeah. tribe with 50 people and, and branch Davidians or something, yeah. suddenly community has a very different meaning there. Yeah. And it's darker and ugly and weirder and repressing, abusive, and the whole bad line of it all. So yeah, can go either way. I re- at the end of the day, in fact, we can argue about how on a social level how things should be or how, what kind of laws are more desirable than others. And clearly some things are more desirable than others, but at the end of the day, it boils down to the quality of human beings implementing certain things. Yep. Uh, the tribal idea is not independent from the actual individuals involved. You know, that's what makes all the difference. Yeah. Speaking of tribal ideas, should we murder the next tribe with spraying water everywhere, <laughs> killing yeah. the audio of our podcast, and I just go <laughs> yeah, with my yeah, tomahawk yeah. and just <laughs> kill a few and... Yeah, it is a little loud. I think we can probably deal with it. Do you want to move into... I'm uh, okay, depending on how the audio is going. I think it'll probably be all right. We're good. Yeah, I think we'll be okay. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to get back to, you know, what was your... How did you get introduced to the Lakota? And how did you... um, Lakota stuff was um, when um, I moved to the U.S. around the time... My mom moved to the U.S. shortly before me. Mm -hmm. And uh, she... She has been a journalist all her life, and when she went back to Italy the first time, uh, some human rights organization was asking her to take a look into a couple of cases of uh, people who have been in prison in South Dakota and uh, the American Indian guys. And mm-hmm. The cases were very shady in the sense that the evidence didn't add up to a conviction, that the sentencing was ridiculous. Were they, they were imprisoned inside the reservation? or No, uh, state prison, yeah. but they were American Indians. And so she started um, going there, realizing once she had a face-to-face meeting with one of these guys, she was like, this is just so fucked up, it's not even funny. So she started working on a legal case to help one guy because the whole thing was a joke. Where just racist motivations? Racism or? played an enormous role in the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, so then through him... Uh, it became more of a personal thing, you know, you start visiting his family, you start visiting here, and this friend at the other reservation invites you over to go mm-hmm. to a, 
so over time it became um, um, we just ended up going there a lot that's cool uh, spend a lot of summers there and um, yes funny the first time I first time I ever I was exposed to a Lakota Sundance which mm-hmm. was outlawed for the longest time because along uh, with the ghost dance I thought it was just the uh, a lot most American Indian religions period for Lakota just in general American Indian religions were outlawed from the 1880s to a good chunk uh-huh. of the 1900s sun ceremonies even longer right Sundance being one of them because it involves piercing and shedding of blood and so it was like one of the scenes that was considered barbaric and terrible sure. and so on and so it was like can't sure. go and uh, I didn't even know that they were were ongoing now that it was legal again that they were ongoing and regularly practiced so when I was invited to the Sundance I was um, feeling a little self-conscious because you know you don't end up in the middle of some forgotten reservation in South Dakota by oh I happen to be there you know <laughs> right. it's like a dirt road in the middle of nothing and Everybody else was, you know, 90% of the people there were Lakota, was a few people who know somebody else. You know, we got invited through one person, but, you know, right, a, right, you do right, feel right. a little <laughs> self-conscious getting there. They're yeah. like, ooh, okay. And, and it was a trip because within a few minutes till we got there, it was the day before the ceremony begins, they ask for all the men to go help uh, cut this tree that then to be carried on everybody's shoulder. I forget what the reason is, but the tree is not supposed to hit the ground. So when you cut it, you're supposed to then rock it back and forth so you can... Sounds like a team building exercise. Yeah, it seriously is. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I go, we start pushing, cutting, doing this whole thing. And uh, because the tree then will be used as part of the ceremony, it's replanted in the center of this field and it's Uh around the tree that the sun dance will take place. Cut, 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 the tree finally gives, uh, and I don't get my hand fast enough out. And so the tree falls against another tree where we are to rest it, except my hand gets stuck in between. Ouch. Out of like a gigantic freaking, I don't know how many hundreds of pouncing. Everybody push, I get my hand out, it's like blood everywhere, there's like... Well, that's part of the ceremony, then. Right. You're just a little like, early. Right, you're exactly. supposed to wait. Yeah. You just got a little excited. I got overexcited. And <laughs> bone was broken into pieces bunch of the skin was gone it was nasty right so somebody take off their shirt wrap it around it and uh, and that's already got weird because uh, I didn't feel any pain I was like I'm supposed to Shock. feel pain here you know what's going yeah. on and uh, I remember going back to the camp and there was this old Lakota lady who was like oh that tree well that's a very sacred tree I'm like that's sweet that's a very big tree too so it's like I'm not reassured yeah, here yeah, it's yeah. not the and in an all kind of way it was a excellent icebreaker because that everybody had a reason to come talk to me and chat and sure. make it feel and the weird part about it and I don't know how to explain it I mean what the hell you told the story they healed your they healed your finger yeah the whole thing like I mean it tore like hell the so next what did day. they what did they do exactly to walk us through that because this was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about what exactly went on how did they do this ceremony you have a they, broken finger clearly broken yeah not just bruised right? yeah uh, I would say in a couple of parts like around each knuckle there was snapped in different directions and right by the time I unwrapped it a few hours later after we bandage it did this whole thing it swelled up so well, big well, that you couldn't even tell wow. what was hot anymore it was just like is it where is it who knows it's like this giant yeah. thing close the hospital is like two three hours away so it's like yeah good luck you know we're not going there 
by that very night when I started touching it, it hurt like hell, but it didn't feel snapped anymore like it was well, before. What, well, like, what happened? What did she do to it, though, first? What was her... She just said it was going to be okay? Yeah, basically. She didn't put her hands over nope, it or anything? Didn't, didn't do shit. Didn't do shit. Nothing. Didn't smoke anything nope. and burn nope. anything? No. Nope. Nothing. Just just looked you in the eye and basically. said... Oh, should be... Not even he's got to be okay. It's like, it's a sacred thing. It, you could be okay. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Uh, that's reassuring, but is uh, and uh, for a while I really couldn't tell what was what because it was so swollen and weird, yeah. and it, the next day started hurting like crazy, and it was really painful. But it would, it was weird. It would come and go. Like some of these guys, and again, this could be completely placebo effect. Could be some. I don't. I report sure. it as it is. I have no idea why or how or anything. But there were some times when they would. Some of the sun dancers would come around and like wipe it with sage. Mm-hmm. That's it. And mm-hmm. you would feel again placebo, not who knows. You would feel like pain was leaving the finger. Mm-hmm. And I would be okay for a while, and then it hurts again. And we, you know, went through it a few times. And at the end of the sun dance, because the sun dancers have gone through such a ordeal, the idea is that they are supposed to be charged with a power that they are able to do things that they normally couldn't. And what is what so, is involved in the sun dance? Basically, frenzy dancing. They dance for four days, from the time the sun comes up to the time the sun goes down, with some breaks in between. But you know, long stretches of dancing while they are fasting, and then some of the dancers, not everybody, at various points during the dance, one of the dancers is gonna go up to the tree. They're gonna pray. Um, some one of the people running the sun dance is gonna come up, lift some skin off their chest pierce it with either a knife or something, put a wooden skewer through it that's tied to a rope that's tied to the tree. The person is then going to keep dancing attached to the tree until either a few minutes later or even a whole four days later, they pull back and break loose. Whoa. So it's a pretty hardcore thing that first the obvious question is why God, why? Why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. And um, the, the appears also the same way from the back, in this case, dragging buffalo skulls around the sand and circle. And either your skin gives and you free yourself, or if you go around, 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 and it doesn't give, you're getting too tired, you're going to pass out. So then they give you a break, you stay there one second, they ask kids to come sit on the buffalo skulls, pinning them in place, so then you push forward and break loose. That sounds like it would just create a horrible wound. And like a ripping, you do like, a, like pregnancy of the back. <laughs> not know, that like, bad. Like where your vagina and your asshole become one giant. Not quite that bad, but no. you definitely get scars. You know, people yeah. have sun scars all the time. And uh, the, um, when I read about it, you know, every other thing about Lakota religion made sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, sweat lodge, sure. smoking of the pipe, vision cast. It all was very, oh, I get it. There's... You read about the Sundance, or even the way I'm talking about it now, it's like, yeah, what the fuck? You know, yeah. why would anybody do that? It sounds gory, weird, and disturbing. And being there, I can't explain it any better. I don't have a good way to explain it. Where like, no, it's not because, I don't know because of what, but it doesn't feel that way. Right. You know, in the contest, it actually felt very... There was something beautiful about it. Right. Nothing. There was no people getting off on suffering and gore and sure. look at me, any of that stuff. But it was, 
I really can't explain it. I don't know what it is. But yeah. there's an energy to the whole thing. It's interesting, yes. you know, applying pain and injury to yourself has a long history of mm -hmm. religious tradition. And, you know, Huxley has some explanations in, uh, I think it's Doors of Perception book. You know, basically it's releasing some different types of toxins and different, he has a biochemical um, example of what it's doing to your system to create this kind of mystical experience. Mm -hmm. You know, basically putting things through your system to shut off the parts of your brain that are right. preventing you from experiencing whatever that experience mm -hmm. is, whatever that sacred experience is. So there's definitely, I mean, at least in his mind, some scientific backing to yeah. it, but it's an interesting way to go. So, all right, so there you are, your finger eventually fully Start heals up. getting bad. Yeah, what happens is at the end of the Sundance, anybody, there's a whole people from the local community who come up because the Sundancers at the very end are going to run through everybody and they basically prey on everybody who has physical, psychological, whatever issues they have. The Sundancers don't need to know about it. They just prey over Because they're on, they're on their game at that exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> the idea is that they have up. an energy that right. they are not going to be able to do it a week later or at any other That's point, right, but then. in that moment they yeah. have a certain power. And um, yeah, in my case it was weird because eventually once the swelling went down enough, it did feel as it did felt that very night, like the whole thing was in one piece and the skin regrew fairly quickly over a month period, the nail came back and to the point where you couldn't tell that it ever happened. I mean, yeah. eventually I could still see there was like a scar that was going around the finger, but I really, just because I remember it, I can still see it. Otherwise, I don't think you can even tell. You mm -hmm. So you had another, you had another experience like that too, where a, someone told you that your urine was going to turn black. Oh yeah, that was a trip. Yes. And then you're yeah. like, ah, oh, this is bullshit. You know? So tell us, tell us that experience. Yeah, that right. was a trip. That was a really shitty period in my life. And, um, this one, um, medicine man was like yeah somebody puts bad medicine on you and bad medicine is their idea for basically the black magic sure you know and, uh, I was like, what tradition was this this well, was um well the guy speaking was from a lakota context i okay. don't know as far as the guy applying as in right, uh, bad right. medicine but and the thing was like yeah but you're almost okay you're gonna be fully okay once you one day your urine will turn black and then <laughs> is when you know you have purged it out and i'm like try again my urine turns black yes okay <laughs> sure that sounds great I'll get back to like, you. except I'll, that like a month later <laughs> i go to the bathroom and suddenly there's this black stream coming out and i'm like <laughs> what the fuck is that <laughs> you know it's like are you kidding me you know that was strange to say the least and uh and i did feel a lot better now none of these things i have any idea or explanation or is even going through all that doesn't mean that i believe anything or disbelieve anything like in my book believing or disbelieving means nothing because it's about conjecturing about stuff that you don't fully understand mm -hmm. so to me is the laws of the universe normally function this way. And so if you tell me that certain things are going to, you know, somebody's going to pray over me and the finger is going to be okay. I'm like, yeah, thanks. I would rather have a doctor put a cast on most of the <laughs> right, time. Right. But at the same time, I'm open to the fact that weird stuff apparently does happen. And yeah. again, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to go to the Sundance tree and try to push it again and see what happens <laughs> the second time. Right, you know, you're not going to test it. I'm not like... But I guess those are the kind of experiences that remind you that the universe is weirder and more complex than we can what ever is it? understand. What does it say? Wakantanka, the great mystery? Yeah, precisely. 
Yeah. It's well, at least it, you know it opens your eyes to you know obviously you go on a place like Reddit you mm-hmm. know and try and tell those stories. Oh bullshit, yeah. placebo. Blah. But there's things that are happening mm-hmm. that are not readily explainable. Yeah. You know absolutely and you know I get it a lot more in the it, you know there's one particular experience I had a psychedelic experience mm-hmm. with ayahuasca and. You know, a lot of the argument, oh, it's just in your head. You know, it's just in your head. There's some experiences that you have, though, where it's like, that was not in my head. Right. You know, I don't expect you to believe me. Yep. I don't, you know, I wouldn't whatever either. you it's want. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's but, not about. But this is what happened. Yep. And this is what it felt like. And this is, and, um, you know, to get the chance to go through some of those things, I think is important to kind of open your eyes and say, hey, you know, we don't know everything. No. Yeah. We There's know a lot. very little, know very actually. Little. Yeah. And actually, all the you know all the quantum physics that are coming out are pointing to more mysteries than solutions anyways. Yeah. When my daughter was born, for hasn't happened in a while now, but the first couple of years, uh, some of the stuff that she would say or do was so damn weird. Like, there was a level of uh, stuff that she wasn't supposed to know that she knew perfectly. Or, like, I remember when... Um, there was this one time when my dad had a problem with his eye, but you couldn't tell like by looking at him. You know, his eyes move fine, they focus fine, they, mm-hmm. and uh, she never heard anybody talk about it. And she went up to him, pat his eye, and say, "Oh, you did a boo boo here. What happened?" I was like, "How the fuck did you know that?" You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. things like that where you're just again, how I don't know how. I don't know why, I have no idea. And uh, people, the problem is people who like these things, they start conjecturing where they will come up with complex explanation about, and this is how it works, and this is because of, it's like, how the hell do you know? It's like, Mm -hmm. take it for what it is. That was weird. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, just keep an open mind. There's just no, but yeah, the number of times that weird things has happened that leaves me feeling humbled by the universe around us it's a lot it's absolutely a lot you know i think you look at something like the phenomenon of quantum entanglement right have you you know much about that it's where basically uh, a photon they can get it you know it'll be there's these linked photons and they, they can separate them by however long they're going to do i think they're actually taking one of them now and putting it in space Try this out just to right. just for shits. It's going to happen the same. Oh, right? where right. one affects yeah. it. Yeah. So they they cause one to change its rotation or change mm-hmm. its spin, and instantaneously, or at least so many thousand times faster than the speed of light. They can't tell if it's instant or if there is that fraction of whatever faster than light by a long shot. Yeah. The other one will change as well. So they have really no explanation for this, and nobody seems to care enough right. about it. I look at it, I'm like, hey. Like, there's something going on there. Yep. Everybody's like, yeah, it's just an anomaly. It's just a weird thing in there. It's like, look harder. <laughs> like, right. Like, pay attention. Yep. That means that there's something communicating between those two mm-hmm. that is non-material. And if there's something that's non-material, that means there's something else. Yep. You know, and, and that's all you have. That's the only, that's how the, you don't have to take it any farther than no. that. Just to know that, hey, there's something else there, and science doesn't always go all the way. Yeah, I mean, I love science. It's certainly preferable to superstition and ignorance, but <laughs> right. at the same time, is uh, there are clear limits to our scientific knowledge currently. Sure. And, you know, uh, 300 years from now, the range of our scientific knowledge would have expanded so much that we probably can explain stuff that today just looks Absolutely. mysterious and weird. But that's people get too stuck on science about 
if it doesn't, if it cannot be replicated in a lab uh, every now. single time now, then yeah. it's not real. And it's like, eh, not <laughs> everything works that time, way. Yeah. You know, like, take your eye up a little farther and get a yeah. little perspective, yeah. and yeah. we'll start to see that. But, you know, you start, as soon as you realize that there could be something besides the material, mm -hmm. then all of these other phenomena start to make sense, you know, and that's, I know there's a phenomenon with my grandmother who tells a story very vividly back a long time ago. Um, her, my uncle Craig at the time had a, you know, had a terrible injury at home. And my grandfather who was a professor, mm -hmm. had been preparing for this lecture for like three months, huge lecture, big implications for whatever, driving far away. They didn't have cell phones, pagers, nothing. You know, there was no ambulance that they could call. Um, I think he'd broken like a couple bones where the bone was like sticking out Eesh. and no, you know, no, no neighbors around that had cars or anything. So she just sits down and realizes she has very few options. Mm -hmm. You know, he has to get to the hospital. My grandfather, Aubrey, is not going to be home for many hours, eight hours. And just starts saying, Aubrey, come home. Aubrey, come home. Yep. Yeah. And then Aubrey gets there, gets to his lecture podium, big packed house. And all of a sudden closes up his book and he says I, I can't explain it guys I'm so sorry I have to go home I'm like what the fuck are you talking about you're the keynote you know you've been preparing for this he's like I, I'm sorry I have to go home yeah. and so he turns around and goes home comes there and sees you know my uncle Craig with a broken leg yep and coincidence I yeah I mean what you can what kind of crazy scenario in that you're building up for months you know would no, cause him to come home there's just no way there's no way something happened yeah Absolutely. That's why when people try at all costs to dismiss things, ah, it must be a coincidence. Like, <laughs> right. why can't you accept that the universe is weird? Yeah. That, yes, the That's laws it. that you are acknowledging apply 99% of, of the time. Most of the time, you're right. They don't right here, yeah. clearly. And, uh, yeah, no, the example you bring up, I mean, not as dramatic, but I've seen or experienced stuff like that, either directly or through someone else I know and trust so many times, that is... To me, it's not weird. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, yeah, once in a while it happens. Wouldn't it be fun if we could actually control it and you could actually call a wheel whenever you want, not yeah. just... Because then you'll try another time and it doesn't work, right? <laughs> sure. It's like, motherfucker, sure. I was calling you the whole time. <laughs> I did you know, the same like, thing. It's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, it would be fun. You know, if you can control it, it would be... It would be a blast. It would be in Vegas going, blackjack, blackjack, blackjack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, Totally. Totally. But, and I uh, actually, I've, I've met some people who try really hard. They had no luck with that. <laughs> they had the craps table in their house. Right. And they would just try to control the crap yeah. stocks, you know, and they'd think they'd get it. And they'd go to the casino and just crash. Yes. You know, no good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a challenge, but there are some weird phenomena yeah. that, that definitely go on. Absolutely. And I guess that was supposed to be, you know, the purpose for religion, to explain mm -hmm. the weird things, except, as we all know too well, it's not exactly the direction it all went. And I think the idea of trying to explain it is wrong to begin with, because yeah. unless you really know what's going on and you fully understand it, which hardly, I mean, nobody I know does, let's put it that way, uh, why waste your time explaining it? You or know? make a cute story, like the, a turtle holds the world on its back. Right. <laughs> and Something, you know, yeah, okay, fine, yeah, right. let's go with that. Exactly. You and know? just embrace the mystery yeah. you know accept the fact that we live in a mysterious world and it's huh who knows why and yeah. uh but i think for most people it takes an insane level of self-confidence to accept mystery because there's too much uh, insecurity there's too much fear about you know you want answers about what happens when you die what happens is there meaning in the universe or not uh, where did my loved ones go 
uh, is there morality or is it all random chaos you know all of these things that freak out human beings mm -hmm. badly most people are just not comfortable enough with just saying we don't know yep. deal with it it's no, I don't want to deal with it either you give me a good answer or give me a bullshit answer but give me some answer because I can't live without it you right. know? Like, I think it's a it's kind of a aspect of the human mind yeah. you know we're constantly looking to put answers in the problem mm -hmm. is people get stuck to them yep. you know they're not temporary answers they're permanent answers and you'll fight to the fucking death to defend those answers well this has been a real pleasure I'm looking forward to our podcast we'll get a little bit more into the religion that uh, I've created for myself perhaps and Beautiful. chat about some other stuff let's do and, that uh, we'll do it awesome guys um, definitely check out the Drunken Taoist podcast to hear more of me and Daniele Bellelli going off into cyberspace here yep. figuring it all out take thank care thank you